loneliness is as detrimental to your body physically as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. People who have friends, they tend to live longer. They make better health choices. More than 100 factors that influences depression. And the number one preventer is having somebody to talk to. Even if you've been harmed by other friends who have just done awful things and you see it as a source of pain, ironically, friendship is also the source of your healing. We shed or replace half of our friends every seven years. So there's going to be a natural season of friendship pruning where you realize you're in a space in your life to welcome new connections. I was nasty to someone in. That is my friendship story. And so I know now I understand it was because of being insecure. I'm exclusive with my friend group because I don't want this girl in because she might threaten my place in the group or she might be prettier, smarter. So what does that mean for me if somebody else comes in? You have to be confident in who you are and what you bring because if you're not, you will do things that are not okay as an extension of that. All of those behaviors stem from not being okay with who you are. And I think if I had done that more, I would have been like the girl who's more warm and inviting and you're friends with everybody and you're always hyping other people up because you feel sure about yourself. The quickest way to belong is to make other people feel like they belong. Welcome back everyone to Diary of an Empath. My next guest is Danielle Jackson. She's not your average coach. She's a friendship coach, a publicist, an educator, and a nationally known speaker. And I have touched on the subject a couple times on friendships because I think that it is an overlooked subject. We talk a lot about relationships, but what about the friendships in our life? So I'm super excited to have this conversation. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Like you said, this is such an important conversation. So I appreciate you inviting me to to discuss it with you. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your background and how did you get into this niche and, and what made you become a friendship coach? Yeah, I always joke that, you know, whenever I tell people that's what I do, I just kind of wait because they kind of give me that face of either like confusion or like kind of condescending, like, oh, friendship coach, that's adorable, <laughs> you know? Um, but I kind of like fell into this. So I was actually a high school English teacher for six years working with juniors and seniors. So I saw firsthand the struggles that some of the girls were having between classes or they'd come to me after school and they're requesting to be assigned to a different group because there was drama with the girl in their group that they got to pick. So I got to see like the dynamic play out right in front of me. And so when I left the classroom to get into public relations, I foolishly thought, oh, I'm leaving that teenage drama behind. And I was like, oh, it's still here, you know. But it surprised me to learn that even with charismatic, high-achieving women, they're struggling to either make new friends or to keep up the ones that they have. And so long story short, I just went on Amazon that night and I, I was curious about friendship books and I searched. And of the few search results that came up, most of them were for children. And it dawned on me, that's what we think about friendship, is that it's something that a child would need help with, but not an adult. And so ever since then, I leveraged my education background, got certified to coach. And for the past few years, I've been serving in this space to help women create and deepen their friendships. And so far, it's been a really fun ride. Yeah, I think that's true. We don't often think about friendships as an adult. And one thing that you said that really stuck out to me is high-achieving women 
really often struggle with friendships. And that is so, so true. I can relate to that because I am somebody who is a perfectionist. I am a high achiever. And I often struggle with like really, really close friendships. And I think for me, like it's quality over quantity. For me, I've always struggled. It's like quality over quantity. But it's always been really difficult for me to have friendships unless there's substance to it. And I have found that as I've gone through my course of life, that I can say, okay, you guys served a chapter, but maybe you're not supposed to be here for the whole book, right? But I found that my I've gotten frustrated because there are just certain friendships that are not serving me anymore. They're not doing anything for me. But I have a hard time making new friends. And I don't know if it's like because I struggle with connection or if it's because I don't know if it's just harder to make friends with women for me. So for you, working back in high school, I know that that had to have taught you some really, really deep lessons. How do you think that working in a high school affected how you view friendships today? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I appreciate you opening up about like your personal dynamic with women friendships because I know, I know you're not alone. You know, I didn't realize at the time what I was watching, I was just in it. I didn't realize it was almost like a research field. I just was in it until years later when I was studying research on female cooperation, female conflict, uh, jealousy, competition. Then it all came back to me and it was like, Oh my gosh, that explains why, you know? So there's even research that shows that, you know, that women's friendships are more, uh, fragile and not because they're, um, not deep. Sometimes it's because they are so deep and intimate so that we have less tolerance for a violation in our friendship because this means so much to me, you know? And so there was one study where they, um, watched girls and guys in a, in a dormitory, a college dormitory. And they watched to see how many of them requested room assignment changes. And so you would maybe think that it would be guys, but it was mostly women. They had more requests to um, not live with the other girls that they got to choose to live with. And a lot of their complaints were like, she's too loud. She turns on the light when I'm sleeping. She's rude. She does this. And it just shows that we have a lesser tolerance for um, transgressions sometimes in our friendships. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's an example of seeing the research connect because it was mostly girls who were asking me to change their seat. And I have like the eraser marks to prove it, you know, like for whatever reason, now they don't want to sit by her. And so I don't think it's petty. I understand now that it's because we get so deep with each other. And so when there's a violation, we, we don't tend to tolerate that very well. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I can relate to that. I think for me, because I'm such like an ethical person that if you violate any of my belief systems or my ethics as what I expect into a friendship, I get kind of offended by that. But I've had to learn as I've grown older, and this took many years, that not everyone is going to show up to a friendship the way that I am. And it's my responsibility to communicate my needs because if I don't communicate my needs, people are not mind readers. They may not always know what you expect from a friendship. You're not giving them a chance to show up for you. I always like to take it back with childhood though because I'm a firm believer that our childhood shapes who we are as adults and how we view the world. How does the way that we grow up affect how we are in friendships as adults? 
Yeah. So I always say, you know, I'm a coach, I'm not a therapist, but I have interviewed several psychologists and therapists on the subject. And one woman I recently interviewed was kind of illuminating this for me. And she talked about the mother daughter dynamic and how that might surprise you in the ways it shows up in your adult female friendships. And the way she described it is a lot of times you're going into these um, woman dominant circles with whatever attitude was created by your first female caregiver, which is most times your mom. And so were your needs met there or not? Were you, you know, the oldest sibling or not? Because if you are like the oldest daughter, maybe with your friend group, you tend to act like that with your friends. And you're the one who's like scheduling things and you're like, guys, get it together because you play that role in your family dynamic. And so I've learned a lot about that as I interview other experts to see like, maybe this is how we show up. Perhaps you had a hypercritical mother. And so you're always anticipating maybe criticism for friends or become super critical yourself. And so it is kind of interesting to see how that plays a role. And uh, one common thing I hear from women is having a mom who didn't have friends at all. Mm -hmm. So not really having a model of what it might look like to maybe work through conflict or make time to hang out because they didn't see it in their home. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. When I think about my mom, my mom was always and still is to this day a loner. She's always been mm. like that. And I don't remember her having a lot of friends. And if she did, they were guy friends. She never had a lot of female friends. Mm. And I notice I'm the same, not really with guy friends, but I just have a limited amount. But I'm I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone more to, you know, hang out with different people, to do different things, to hang out with different types of groups because I don't want to be older with zero friends or with such a limited amount of friends. So that's a really good point. I know in one of your posts that you mentioned how friendships might impact our physical, mental, and emotional health. I never really thought about it that way, but what is that connection and how can that impact us? Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that because so much of the conversation around friendship is like, it's so much fun and you have people to go to brunch with and, and go drink with or whatever. So it's always kind of approached through that lens of recreational and it's a good time. And if I need people to catch me when I fall, you know, so a support system when I'm in crisis, that's a lot of the dialogue, but we don't talk about it enough from a, a wellness perspective. And I think if we did, then maybe we'd take it more seriously or as adults, we'd make more time for it instead of pushing it into the margins of our lives. But, you know, they say that loneliness is as detrimental to your body physically as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And this is a statistic that a lot of professionals in the world of connection and loneliness tend to quote. So it's, it's, a pretty reputable study. They also show that, you know, people who have friends, you know, they tend to live longer. They make better health choices. And it's because it's almost like maybe subconsciously, like having something to live for, being influenced by people in your life who care about you, having people who push you to take care of yourself. And so it kind of has like this ripple effect. If I have a strong social support network, I feel encouraged to you to take care of myself. I have people to be active with. I have people there to uh, support me emotionally instead of being alone and having that turn into anxiety, depression. I'm constantly ruminating. One study I think is interesting as well. Maybe three years ago, they did a, a very large study to determine more than 100 factors that influences depression. And the number one preventer is having somebody to talk to. And so I know sometimes we get some of us a little cynical and we're like, you know what? I don't need people right now. I'm an island. And I understand that. Uh, I do. But it's actually not true. 
And even if you've been harmed by other friends who have just done awful things um, and you see it as a source of pain, ironically, friendship is also the source of your healing. And so we've got to start looking at friendship as something I need for my wellness. And then I think we'll all be better for it. Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. I agree. We are social human creatures. We need human connection. If you go back to our ancestral days when we were, you know, trying to just survive, we stayed together as groups. We are social creatures and we need each other. I always say that. And there are people who I think are a little bit more introverted and may even need that alone time. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. If I'm around a lot of people, I need my space to recharge. But I do think that I agree. It's equally important to make sure that you have some type of connections. And we saw that with COVID when we Mm. were all on lockdown for weeks on end and we really had that disconnect. And the only connection that we had with each other was technology. You saw depression rates increase, suicidal rates increased, especially in teens who were now, well, teens and children who were now taken from school and they were forced to be at home during COVID, during school. And we saw the depression rates. I mean, we saw it with teens and I saw it with my own daughter. She was in Mm. such a funk. I have never, never seen her like that. Her grades slipped. She went into like this depressive state. And this was only at like 10, 11 years old. And then all of a sudden she goes back to school and she is just flourishing. Her grades come up. She's doing better. Her mood is improved. She's not reporting any depressive symptoms anymore. And I saw this within her circle of friends that they all started supporting each other. And they even had a a key word or a, a code word for when one of them was feeling sad or depressed, they would all say a code word and then they would all like flock in to support each other. Do you need anything? Did you get enough sleep? Which I thought was amazing. I'm like, these 11 and 12 year olds have these coping mechanisms that that adults don't have. Wow. That's impressive. It was extremely (laughs) impressive. But I feel like some people too, they, they don't even know where to start or don't even know how to have or maintain platonic friends. So for someone that's out there that says like, well, I want more friends. I just don't know how to get them. What is your advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, you know, if there's anybody who's thinking that and they feel maybe like embarrassed or like ashamed to admit like, man, I don't have friends. I need friends. The very first thing is to like shake off any embarrassment about not having friends. I think one common misconception with adults is I should have already had friends by now. Like I'm 30, I'm 40. I should have And there is no timestamp. This fantasy idea of you should have met your squad in high school. Why are you needing friends again? I mean, because life evolves. And so you would need people to support this new version of you. In fact, there's research that suggests that we shed or replace half of our friends every seven years. So there's going to be a natural season of friendship pruning where you realize you're in a space in your life to welcome new connections. Maybe you're a military spouse and you keep moving. Maybe you um, adopted a sober lifestyle and your bond with all your friends for years has been drinking. You know, So there are things that happen in your life where you do need friends. So shake off the shame. Uh, the second thing I would say is to start with people you know. And I know that's not like a sexy revolutionary tip, but there's research that suggests that most of our friends or a lot of our friends 
are people who serve some other role in our lives. So maybe they're your um, esthetician that you see like every other week. Maybe it's your barista. Like they're also serving another role. They're also your coworker. So if that's the case, work backwards and say, oh, well, who are some people I see all the time, but I never pause to like look at them as a potential friend and start there. You already have some stuff in common. Um, But I know that we kind of like the fantasy of starting from scratch, you know, which I understand. And then two other things I would say, one is to make your desire known. A lot of people are not getting their need met because they feel embarrassed about saying they want friends. So if it feels too, you know, uh, cringy to say like, I need friends, even though that works just fine. You know, why not go on social media and say, oh, you know, I'm moving to Austin in a couple of weeks, you know, looking for recommendations. Ha <laughs> ha. People are eager to help and meet a need. Or you can text uh, a super connector, they're called. These people who thrive on making introductions between people and say something to the effect of, hey, I'm trying to get more plugged in. And I thought of you because you're always out and about doing something. And so I was just wondering, like, is there anything around here worth checking out, like events or hotspots? Like, what what do you think? Because they're either going to give you recommendations, and that's helpful, or they're going to invite you as a plus one because they didn't know that you were in the market for new people. So they might say something like, oh my God, uh, yes, we have a book club. You need to come with me next Tuesday. But I'm not going to get my need met if I'm too embarrassed to show it. And then finally, I would say, become a regular somewhere. You know, people, we tend to say like, oh, it was so much easier in school. Well, that's because they saw each other all the time. And there's research out of the University of Kansas that says that it takes about 50 hours to feel like you're familiar with someone, you know, like an associate, 90 hours to feel like they're a friend and 200 to feel like they're a best friend. So when we think about it, the number one place people meet friends uh, as adults is at work and where they were meeting friends as kids were at school because you were clocking hours a week together. So I know sometimes, you know, we're working from home now. So we're like, gosh, how do I do that? You're going to have to manufacture those opportunities now. Can you go to a coffee shop to work outside the house every Friday at the exact same time, just to start seeing the same faces or go and sit, I don't know, at the bar at a restaurant that you really like every Wednesday for their trivia night, just to see the same people who roll through. And then it feels more comfortable to be like, hey, what's up? You know, because I see you all the time. And so I think once we train our eyes to spot that there's actually opportunities everywhere, then it'll make us more confident to go for it. I love those tips. And I think that um, knowing who's around you now can be a great opportunity for friendships. My lash lady and I became friends and now we go out, we do brunch and, you know, she's like kind of like my brunch person and, you know, we go out here and there and I've met friends in the most weirdest ways or even in the ways that you wouldn't typically think that you would meet people. I know that, I know this is weird, but I went on Bumble and I switched my, my, my search to friendships because I'm like, well, I need more friends to actually go and do stuff with because I feel like a lot of my friends are either not near me or they're never available. So I wanted to meet new people and I thought it was a great way to do that. So one thing that you talked about was that we switch out friends, studies show that we switch out friends every seven years, at least half of our friends. And I think that's interesting because I've noticed that as I've gone into this next phase of my life, I've, I don't want to use the word cut out, but I have distanced myself and cut out some because I just didn't feel that that friendship was conducive to where I'm at in my life. Like they're not bad people, but 
it just, I didn't feel like the effort was there or that they were contributing to what I needed in a friendship. And some just were in different phases of their life than where I'm at in my life. And I just didn't feel a need to continue to put an effort. So when should somebody just walk away from a friendship or maybe just start to distance themselves from a friendship? Yeah, that's a great question. And and for women, especially, that's one of the ways that is probably the number one way to release a friendship as we like do the, the fade out method, you know, hoping she gets the hint, we invite her a little less, you know, um, so that's common. You know, when it comes to the question of like, man, should I let this go? Should I keep this going? The first thing is to ask yourself if it adds value to your life. And I hesitate in saying that because I don't want it to look like, you know, we're trying to be transactional. My friendships better serve me, serve me. But, you know, is there value? In, in your life, you know, and before you release her, can you at least maybe modify the friendship? Because some friends are better in low doses. And so maybe we are cool, but I'm realizing it's a lot for me to, to maintain texting with you every day. Maybe she's just got a big personality or whatever, but I like her just fine when we go out in a group once a month, you know? And so can you modify it or, or reduce the frequency or recategorize how you see her before jumping to I need to eliminate this person from my life. I look at it like as circles. I can't remember where I heard this from. I can't take credit for it. But, you know, friendships and relationships are like circles. You're in the middle and you have an inner circle and then you have these outer rings of circles. You can take someone from this inner ring and you can place them on the outer ring. You don't necessarily have to ghost them because sometimes you're not ready for that. Maybe you have history with the person. Maybe you're related to the person and you don't necessarily want to remove them from your life. But maybe instead of seeing them once a week, you now see them once a month. Maybe instead of hanging out with them one-on-one, like you said, we hang out with them in a group because maybe it's more tolerable to be in a group or maybe they're fun in a group, but in a one-on-one setting, it can be a bit much. So I think you're right. I think that it's it's navigating what is going to be in the best interest for yourself, maybe where you're at in life. I have had to remove people. And I'm going to tell you too, that the more successful I became, and I say this humbly, but the better that I did and the more I became bigger in the public eye, especially with this podcast, I noticed a lot of my friends who I've known from college, like for years and years, just, man, I saw a different side of them. No support. You would think that the people who would be the most supportive would be those people. And I'll just put it out there. I had one girlfriend who she was sharing content from a competitor podcast, which it's not like it was a true crime podcast. It was a podcast similar to mine, posting all of that content. And I finally said something and I'm like, do you, do you listen to my podcast? You know, give it a try. Maybe you would like it. I noticed that you, you, you post so-and-so's podcast stuff, but you never post mine. And I never got a response. And I'm like, after that, I'm like, yeah, this, this is not a friendship that I think that I want right now in my life. So I'm just going to take that friendship. I'm going to put it on the very outer ring. And if she reaches out, she reaches out. And you know what? She hasn't, you know, mm, no yeah, that's to so be. Di- yeah, that's so disappointing. And I know you're, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. And I know other women can attest to like their own story of, I thought she was my friend, but I didn't feel like supported at all. And so instead of remaining constantly skeptical over or paranoid, you're just like, I don't have time for that. Like you want it to be like an explicit show of support, you know, unquestionable. So I'm sorry you experienced that. I know that's a common one. 
Yeah. And so I had to put my boundary down. That was my boundary of saying like, hey, for me as a friend, I I would appreciate it if you would share my content or it doesn't have to be every day because not everybody's social media people. But as a friend, I hope that my friends would support me from time to time. So that was my boundary. So for those that are listening that maybe have a friend or friendships in their life, that maybe some boundaries are being crossed. How does somebody even lay a boundary down? Are boundaries important in friendships? Because we hear about it in relationships, but what about friendships? Yeah, I know it's hard to even talk about like having a a relationship with another person without the conversation of boundaries, because I think that that's a way that we figure out how to relate to one another, but also preserve ourselves because having a sense of agency and autonomy is important too. And so we feel most connected when we feel safe to be ourselves. But sometimes that means we have to like define for everybody, like what the guardrails look like. Um, You know, I have changed or I should say evolved my perspective on boundaries, the more that I've learned being in this space. And one thing I've evolved, I got this from um, Dr. Marissa Franco, who's a friendship expert and psychologist. And um, in her book, Platonic, she talks about boundaries coming from a like a more affirming place instead of a restrictive place. So as an example, you know, maybe um, certain words or phrases or places are too much for me. So instead of saying to my friend, listen, don't invite me there and don't bring up that stuff. I don't like that. I told you that. And that's a boundary for me. We have to think about how a person even receives that. We get defensive or we feel like a little awkward, like that we got like called out or chastised. So we like pull away instead of communicating the same message, which is I don't feel comfortable in those places, but instead I frame it as like a, um, you know, what spots really make me feel like so connected to you or like where I have the most fun with you are these spots. The other ones, I don't really feel so good, but these other ones like are always such a good time. Let's go there this weekend. Okay. The same message. I do not prefer to go there. I want to go here, but more of the language and framing is like, I'm inviting you into what I'd like to do into how I'd like to be generous with you and not what I will not do. And here are all the rules you better not break. So it's the same thing. I know some people are like, you know, I don't have time to package it all that way. And I understand. I just know that if my goal is to try to bring you in, I know that I'm more likely to influence your behavior if I package it in an inviting way, instead of telling you what you better not do. And another thing I think about boundaries too, is the first time you bring it up, it can be playful in my opinion. So like, let's say I have a friend who's like constantly calling me or wanting to talk like late at night or constantly blowing me up all day. You know, I might, if it's the first time I've told her, I might playfully be like, girl, okay. Now I, I I know, I know you're obsessed with me. Okay. I know you're obsessed, but I'm going to have to call you at like six o'clock. You can't be texting me all day long, you know, or something playful the first time because the average person is smart enough to get it. Like, oh shoot. Okay. She doesn't like that, but I didn't make you, I helped you save face. I'm not going to call you and embarrass you, but that's my message. Now she does it again. I still give her a couple chances because that's another thing. The boundary setting is not just about setting it. It's about keeping it. So a couple times you probably will do it again because it's been your habit or because you do it with other people in your life and they don't mind. So you have to adjust here with me. So the next couple of times I'm going to girl, remember what I said now, you know, but hopefully she's saying, oh, you're right. My bad. Okay. I'm sorry. I forgot that you don't like that. Now, if I put up a boundary and a friend's like, oh my God, you're upset over that. Or, oh my gosh, whatever. Now we have something to look at. If I'm telling you something doesn't make me feel comfortable and you've minimized it or you're pushing it anyway, because you're just like, girl, get over that. And you do it again. Now we have an issue. But the first couple times, giving people a little bit of a learning curve. 
I think that's important. And you said something that stood out to me is that maybe they do it with other people and it's okay. And so again, if you don't communicate a need or a boundary, the person may not know. I had to check myself too, because I'm the type of person that I will just be open. I will talk about anything with my friends. I'm such an open book, hence why I have a podcast. And I have no problems talking about that, but sometimes I can get so caught up with my own day-to-day stuff because my mind is like, and I have an outlet Mm -hmm. with my friends, right? That I don't always stop to say, how's your day going? How is everything going with you? So I've been trying to make a conscious effort, I would say over the last year to actually be like, hey, what's been going on with you or what's going on with this? How did this end up going? And I didn't realize... And I didn't realize before that I wasn't doing that. And I didn't even mean to do like I wasn't Mm. consciously aware that I was so intertwined with my own world that I wasn't paying attention to theirs. And it wasn't that I didn't care because I deeply care for my friends. I deeply care about their lives and what's happening in their lives. I just didn't know. I just didn't pay attention. One of my friends pointed it out to me and said, Hey, I have this and this going on. This is why I haven't responded. And I realized I was like, shit, I didn't know that. I didn't know Mm -hmm. this about my friend or I didn't know that this was going on with her. Why didn't I know this? And it's because I didn't stop to ask about it. So I had to check myself, but that comes with a lot of self insight. But I do agree with you that it's about how you say it. And you said too, that maybe some people may not have time or want to package it that way. But I think that you prioritize what's important, right? So if, if your friend is coming to you with a need, or if you care about this person, I think it's worth prioritizing how you say things or how you go about communicating. And I think it's also good practice for other relationships in your life. So those are amazing points. And let me just say, I can I like hype you up right now? Because I look, I'm getting goosebumps right now you saying that because do you know how many women I wish or people in general were able to do what you just did of saying like, I guess I, I didn't think to ask them about themselves. I guess I didn't think about it. And I had to work on that. I mean, it is so beautiful when people are like, man, if I want like healthier friendships, what do I need to do? And it's so uncomfortable. It's a little like awkward to admit, oh, I'm not perfect. But like even you having the humility to say, oh, snap, she called me out. I didn't realize. And now I try to be conscious about that is what it's all about. I wish more people would do that. <laughs> yeah. When when that happened, I literally was like, you know, I have a friend, one of my best friends. She's been my friend for 20 years. Like I, I don't have anyone in my life who I've had around that long. And when we like literally when I think 20 years, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I've known her for that long. But I noticed for a good majority of our friendship, I didn't know that much about her. Like I didn't know a lot about her history or like personal things that were going on. And it wasn't until I would say the last year, maybe two years, but really the last year that she has started to be more open with me. And I always let it happen organically, but I also had to take my own accountability like, okay, but was I really trying to ask about those things? Was I really trying to say, how's your day going? How is everything going on with this? And giving her an opportunity to talk because she's such a good listener, but she doesn't really Mm. ever have opportunities to speak about what's going on. And so I, when I noticed that I was like, shit, I need to be a better friend and a better listener because I can talk my ass off, but it takes a whole different skill to actually listen and listen to listen, not listen to respond. And she taught me that. 
she's like my therapist. She, everything I talk about on my podcast, a lot I learned from Fee and a lot of you that are listening, you know, I talk about Fee all the time. I need to bring her on, but she's very insightful. And I had to really hone in on that skill. And it is a skill. You have to listen to listen, not listen to respond. And that makes a world of difference. Mm -hmm. Would would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Preach. Yes. Mic drop. (laughs) Yes. Um, So one post that you made that I thought was really interesting is when should you be supportive versus being honest with a friend? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's hard because it's like a, you know, one of those unspoken girl codes, like you support me. We support each other all the time. Like, it's just like it's women supporting women. Like, we just know if my girl has something going on, it's my job to be like, I got you. Right. Um, but there are going to be moments when she's doing something and you're like, that's not cool. Or I can't get down with that. You know, actually just yesterday I was talking to some women and they were saying that they were struggling because one of their friends was having an affair with a married man. So as an example of like, okay, I want to support her because she's happy, but I just can't get down with that. And that's going to happen because since we're different people, that means your friend's going to make different choices than you would make for your life. The question becomes, what do I do here? And so one of the things that I found to be helpful, if you find yourself in that position, is to work to find one piece of the situation that you can get behind and really hype that up. That way you're not being inauthentic. So let's say my friend is dating a guy and I think he's just like, he's horrible. And she tells me, you know, yeah, he's taking me on vacation this weekend. I might want to say, oh, that broke bum can take you on a trip. But instead I'm going to think, you know what? I am glad that you're going because you've had such a hard week at work. You deserve this. Go have fun. Okay. Because I do support you getting a break from work and you going and having a good time. I do absolutely support that for you. So that's going to be how I show my support. Instead of being fake and being like, oh, that's really great. Like, I'm so glad you guys are going to, you know, go. He's so romantic to do this for you if I don't feel that way. And so that's just kind of like one way around it. That way I'm showing support. I'm being affirming, but I also can't be, you know, inauthentic to how I feel. But if you do have a friend who presses you and wants like your support on something, my go-to is to telegraph your dilemma. So say it to her how you're torn. You can say, you know, girl, I, I'm struggling because I want you to be happy. Obviously, I do. But I don't know that I'm down with like what you're doing. So sometimes when you bring it up, honestly, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to respond. And that way it's like they can at least appreciate your heart and you're letting them know I support you, but I just can't get down with what's going on. And hopefully the right friends are like, I respect it. I appreciate honesty in my friendships. I think those that's the closest friendships that I have. I want you to keep it real with me, even if you don't agree with me, because I need to see other opinions. Like, of course, you have those hype friends, and that's always great. And I, of course, there's a time and a place for that. But I want my friends to tell me, like, listen, try looking at it from this perspective. And sometimes I've had to catch myself and I'm like, why do I feel attacked right now? Like, I wa- like, how are you not seeing it from my point of view? But at the same time, again, we're the main characters in our own movie, right? So it's there's always going to be different viewpoints and different perspectives. And I appreciate that when I have my friends who give the advice or who step in, they're giving me different perspectives. But I also have different friends for different things. Like I have my friend Fee. She's my go-to for 
solid relationship or life advice, especially when I want to see things from a different perspective. I have my friend Christy. She is like my everyday, I can talk to her about that the toaster is not working and how I'm pissed off that the cat shit on the floor. I don't know. You know, I could talk to her about anything and she would be like, oh my God, that would piss me off too. You know, she validates me. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't bother Fee with something like that on a daily basis. I probably still do, but I have different friends that are just good for different things. And I hate to say it like that, but it's true, you know? And so I know who I can go to for certain things. And I know who I wouldn't go to for certain things. I have that friend who I go out to brunch with, but we don't talk every day. We send each other memes, but she's not my friend that I would go to for life advice. So I think kind of knowing and also having a plan too. So you're not bombarding the same person with the same thing all the time as well. And I always say too, to my clients that if you're the type of person that has to get advice from like everybody in your life, it's probably not going to help your situation. So try to find Mm -hmm. like, okay, if I needed relationship advice, I would go to this person. If I needed career advice, I would go to this person. And if I just need to vent, I would go to this person. So that way you're not like getting five, six people involved and then confusing yourself even more. And sometimes it's better to just like kind of stick with that. That's, that's how I look at it. And it makes me think about too, we, we talked a lot about female friendships. What about being friends with your ex? How do you feel about that? Because I, I feel real <laughs> tricky. I can't date a guy who's friends with his ex. I don't know. It just, I'm a very secure person, but it's just something about to what level are you friends? Are you going out all the time? Or do you just talk every once in a while? Are you Facebook friends? What are your thoughts? Yeah. On that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I get that question sometimes, but I always like once the conversation becomes about like, romance love. I'm like, okay, let me gracefully bow out because I don't even know. I don't even want to say, I know what I would do. I know that. What would you do? (laughs) It's hard. I'll just, it's hard because you want to honor like maybe the, the current person in your life. And if they are, if they're uncomfortable, then you have to figure out what's more valuable in this moment. You know, you're the new person and them telling you like, I feel some kind of way or really going hard and like, no, I'm going to stay friends with my ex. So you have to kind of figure that out, what the values are. Um, But as far as like friendship with an ex, I can't speak on the romance part. I can just tell you, you know, the research around like, okay, what qualifies as a friend? Like this is somebody who is reciprocal. We have an affection for one another. We know each other. And so, yeah, friendship is at the heart of any good romantic relationship. So you do lose something. Like when you lose an ex, you you lose a friend too, most of us. So I understand, um, but it's always tricky because with the romantic elements, like on top of platonic, then you always have to question like ulterior motives. Like, is it a pure friendship? Do you want the best for me? If the best for me looks like dating somebody else, do you want the best for me? Cause that's what a friend would want. So that's when things kind of get murky maybe with an ex, because if I'm still engaging with you in some kind of way, is it pure friendship? Can you want the best for me? Even if the best for me doesn't include you in my life romantically in some kind of capacity, you know, and, and are you being friendly because you want to be my friend in this moment or you want something else? So there's always like that question, I guess, but I mean, whatever works for different people. <laughs> you know, I don't know, because for me, I feel like with men and I, this is a blanket statement, I'm not saying every man, but <laughs> let's just be honest. I feel like for a man, that door is cracked. 
Because if the ex came back at some point and was like, let's have sex, I feel like a man, he's not going to say no if he's not in a relationship. So I feel like to me, there's a really fine line. I'm not friends with any of my exes, but then, then again, none of my exes are worth being friends with. <laughs> but I think I could be okay if a, if a guy was maybe Facebook friends or social media, that wouldn't bother me as much. But if there's mm-hmm. like, continuous conversations or if you're hanging out with that person to me that's my boundary and again it doesn't make you a bad person but that's something that I would hold a boundary with and that I personally would not be able to handle so therefore I would probably take my exit early on but that's my I think some people can do it I personally like I have one of my exes on my Facebook, but we were together when I was like 17. I know his whole family, but I don't talk to him on the regular. You know, he's just on my mm-hmm. Facebook. No big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. if he was here and we were having lunch every week, uh, that's that's a little bit of a problem. So I, I don't know. For those of you listening, I, I would say for me personally, I wouldn't do it, but you got to do what's best for you. <laughs> so Danielle, um, I have a tradition on the show when uh, we're wrapping up is to ask, because I always love getting nuggets of wisdom from everybody who comes on because you guys all bring your amazing set of knowledge. What would you say to your younger self if you were to give advice in terms of friendships or how to cultivate the better friendships? Would you change anything or what advice would you say? It's always hard for me to say this because I want to look like I have everything together in front of you. But if I'm being totally honest, you know, uh, when people ask me like, oh, how did you get into this? Or why do you do this? They think I'm going to say something about like, you know, because I have really great female friendships and I want other women to have that too. Yay. And like from a, a, a place of like general rah-rah, but that's not my story. I do have beautiful friendships now because I'm in a healthier, I'm a healthier person. Um, but in, in high school, I was not the rah-rah Come on, girls. Come on, everybody. Hey, you want to be friends? I was not. I was insecure. I was um, nasty to some women. Um, That is my friendship story. And so I know now I understand it was because of being insecure. And so I'm exclusive with my friend group because I don't want this girl in because she might threaten my place in the group or she might be prettier, smarter. So what does that mean for me if somebody else comes in? You know, insecure stuff. Um, just, just a lot of behaviors that were just not okay. Um, so I, if I could go back and talk to younger Danielle, I think I would help her understand that you have to be confident in who you are and what you bring, because if you're not, you will do things that are not okay as an extension of that. You'll either be super clingy to some friends because you're scared of losing your place. You're anxious about connection. You'll be mean and exclusive because you're insecure about your place. And so you feel like you have to keep other people out all of those behaviors stem from not being okay with who you are. And I think I would tell my younger self to be okay with who you are. And I think if I had done that more, I would have been like the girl who's more warm and inviting and you're friends with everybody. And you're always hyping other people up because you feel sure about yourself. And it feels good to just like be generous and loving other people because it's not a threat to you. And I didn't understand that. Um, And so I think that would be my advice to my younger self and to adults now is to just the quickest way to belong. And this is grounded in research is to make other people feel like they belong, like being warmer to them, introducing yourself, asking them questions about themselves. That is a person who just becomes so attractive and magnetic. But if you're so scared of being rejected, that's going to manifest itself in ways that are just not pleasant. I love that. I always say that success is defined on how 
you can make other people feel, mm-hmm. not defined on how you feel. And I think that really defines someone's character. And I love that. And I'm so, so thankful for you coming on the show. Where can everyone find you? And what are you up to these days? Because I want everyone to be able to contact you if they want to learn more. Yeah, so I have a weekly podcast. It's called Friend Forward. um, But all the other things are housed on betterfemalefriendships.com. That's the friendship coaching and the podcast and the articles and all those things. And I'm just trying to find a way to help women better relate to one another because I know what it's like to not have those connections. And that's why I'm so passionate now. And so I'm excited for women to get the support they need over at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I appreciate you for creating a space for us to have this conversation because it's so important. Yes. Thank you, Danielle. And we will link everything for you to find Danielle and to get in contact with her and to listen to her amazing podcast. So until next time, see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath.